want to continue our sermon series on living in prophetic times. And I'm going to invite you to go with me to the book of Luke. The gospel according to Luke chapter 17. I began last week sharing with you on this important topic. I shared with you why I believe we are living in prophetic times. And basically prophetic times are seasons that have occurred throughout history when the world begins to see the fulfillment of Bible prophecy. The Bible teaches us, or as you study the scriptures, you'll discover that there are seven dispensations, seven periods of time in which God has worked and will work in our world. We're currently living in the dispensation of grace. This is a time that began at the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ, and it will end at His second coming. And I believe that we are living in the latter part of this dispensation. I shared with you last week some of the signs regarding that dispensation and that we are not awaiting the end of the world, but we are awaiting the rapture of the church and the coming of our Lord. Today I want to continue along that that subject line because I believe it's important not only that we recognize the times we're living in, but it's just as important to know how to live in such times. I don't know if you are aware of this, but the world has changed. And it is changing. And the times we live in require that you and I live like believers. That you and I live as the people of God. A people set apart. And so we read this morning in Luke chapter 17. The words of Jesus. And he says in verse 28. It was the same as happened in the days of Lot. They were eating, they were drinking, they were buying, they were selling, they were planting, and they were building. But on the day that Lot went out from Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. And it will be just the same on the day that the Son of Man is revealed. On that day, the one who is in the housetop And whose goods are in the house must not go down to take them out. Likewise, the one who is in the field must not turn back. Remember Lot's wife. Whoever seeks his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life will preserve it. I want to share this morning on that little phrase of Jesus. Remember Lot's wife. Father, I ask you this morning to anoint my lips of clay to preach the word of the living God. I pray as well that you would anoint the hearing of this congregation, that they might receive the word of God as sown into their hearts. We ask this in Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. If you noticed last week that I am preaching sideways, it's because I'm trying to block the wind from... uh, Entering the microphone so that you can hear me. It doesn't mean that I don't love you guys over here, alright? You're, you're just as important to me as everybody else. I just want everybody to be able to hear this important message from God's Word. 
The Bible says that the coming of Christ, the manifestation of Jesus, will be like it was in the days of Lot. And we're told what the days of Lot were like. The Bible says that in the days of Lot, that people were eating and drinking, buying and selling and building. In other words, in the prophetic days of Lot, life was going on like usual for most people. The world around Lot had no idea that they were living in a prophetic season. They had no idea that their end was approaching. They had no idea that they were coming up against the judgment of God. And that is always the case. For the Bible said that the coming of the Lord will be like a thief in the night. And it will catch most of the world by surprise. The Bible also says that it is not necessary for you to be caught by surprise because you are walking in the light. And the children of God don't need to be caught by surprise or off guard. But by by virtue of walking with Christ, you have knowledge and information about the days in which you are living. You have insight. So the days of, of Lot remind us or signal to us what our days will be like before the coming of Christ that people will be unaware of the significance of the times in which they live. The next thing we see about the days of Lot is that the Bible says that at Lot, in the day that he was taken out of Sodom, that the city was destroyed. And that lets us know that prior to the coming of the Lord, there is a deliverance that occurs for the righteous. God has a plan for delivering you from the wrath that will come upon the earth in the last days. Somebody should say amen about that. The book of Revelation speaks about 21 judgments that are going to come upon the earth in the last days. Or at the end of the last days. But you and I are to be preserved from those judgments by the taking out of the church at the rapture of the church. Which the Bible tells us will come at the sound of the trumpet. When Christ appears in the clouds, the Bible said the dead in Christ will rise and we who are alive and remain will be caught up to meet the Lord in the air and so shall we ever be with the Lord. As soon as Lot was taken out of Sodom, judgment came. And as I shared with you last week, as soon as the church is taken out of the earth, judgment will come to the earth. Darkness will cover the earth and the Rebellion that is currently against God and is even uh, to this day in some way limited will be completely unlimited and our world will enter into complete and utter darkness of sin. We're also told that in the days of Lot, that when the city was destroyed, that Lot's wife perished. This is who I want to speak about this morning. I want to speak specifically about Lot's wife. Because the Bible here, Jesus specifically signals her and he says, remember Lot's wife. How is it that this woman, being married to a man who had a relationship with God and was part of a family of faith, could possibly lose her soul? This is an important question and an important warning for every person this morning. The family of Lot had received a simple instruction. We find it in Genesis chapter 19, verse 17. 
The angel came to them from God. The angel spent the night in their home. And he said to them, first of all, escape for your life. He said, if you want to live, you've got to escape for your life. Maybe this morning you're saying, Pastor Isaac, is there a place of escape? Is there a place of refuge? Is there a place where I can be safe? And friend, the answer to that is yes, emphatically yes. Jesus is the place of safety. Jesus is the place of refuge. When the Bible tells you to escape for your life, it's telling you run to God, run to Jesus. Give him your heart and he will save you. If you have any hope of being escaped, of being able to escape the trouble that's coming to this world, it can only be found in the Lord Jesus Christ. They were given a simple instruction. Escape for your life and do not look behind you. Do you know that God's message to a prophetic generation today is the same as it was then? He says, don't look back. Don't look behind you. Listen, I don't know what you left behind you. I don't know how good it might have been or how bad it might have been. But there's nothing in your past that need that you need for your future. Leave it in the past. The Bible says, behold, I do a new thing, says the Lord. And he says that the old things have passed away. That's God's plan for your life is for you to always move forward. You say, but I have a broken past. I have hurts in my past. I have wounds in my past. God says go forward. Your future is greater than your past. The best days of the believer are always in front of him. You ought to say that this morning with confidence. My best days are in front of me. My best days are not behind me. They're in front of me because I'm a child of God. Because the blessing of God is on my life. Come on somebody. Because you are walking with God. Your best days are ahead of you. And then he said to them, the third instruction, don't stay nearby. He said, you get out of Sodom and Gomorrah and go as far away as you can. And that's God's instruction still. That you and I are to be, to be in the world, but not of the world. He says, come out from among them and be ye separate, said the Lord. This is an instruction to live a life without mixture. To stay as far away from the stain of sin and sinful living. There are many in our day who want to walk the line. They'll ask questions of me and other pastors and say, you know, how much can I do of this or that or the other and still be a Christian? How much can I live a certain lifestyle and still be a Christian? How much of this, uh, of this particular world can I take into my life and still walk with God? And friend, that's the wrong approach. That's the wrong way to look at things. You shouldn't try to find the line and walk as close to it as possible. The believer should get as far away from sin as possible. The believer must do like Joseph did and flee from sin. Flee from temptation. Because if you play, if you play with fire, eventually you will be burned. If you play with temptation, eventually you will succumb to it. So the command of God over the prophetic generation of believers is get as far away from sin as possible. Don't play with it. Don't look at it. Don't indulge it. Don't consider it. Get away from it. And if you will do that, you will preserve your walk. 
How is it then that this woman perished? Let's first of all look at the fact that she had a lot of benefits. She was living in a blessed household. She was the wife of Lot. Now Lot was not a perfect man, but he was, the Bible calls him a righteous man. He was righteous by virtue of the fact that he was a man of faith. Not only was she the wife of Lot, but she was a part of the family of Abraham, the father of our faith. Abraham, this man that God called to raise up the Jewish nation out of whom would come the Messiah and the blessing for all the nations. She was a part of that family. And yet, although she was in a household where there was blessing, and although she was a part of a family where there was blessing, salvation never came to her heart. This is a warning to us today. It's a warning to people who are in church but who have not given their heart to Christ. It's a woman, uh, pardon, it's a warning to the sons and daughters who are raised up in church, who attend Bible study, who know the hymns of the church, but Jesus is not the Lord of your life. It's a warning to you that you can't just count on being a part of a Christian family, that it's not enough to just be a part of a Christian church. Jesus must be the Lord of your life. Jesus must be the Lord of your heart. I was raised in a Christian home. I am the fourth generation of preachers in my family. My nieces and nephews are now among the fifth generation of preachers in our family. It would be a mistake for me to assume that because of the legacy of faith that I have, that I have a ticket to heaven. Never can a family secure your salvation. If you live in a Christian home, you have one of the greatest blessings that any human being can ever have. But friend, unless Jesus becomes the Lord of your heart, you will only enjoy that blessing here on the earth. There is more to life than that. God wants you to know Him for yourself. The Bible says that the Lord appeared to Jacob and He said, I am the God of Abraham. The God of Isaac. But he could not say I am the God of Jacob. Because Jacob did not yet know the Lord. But after he had that encounter with the Lord. He said you will be my God. And God wants you to know him for yourself. And to be able to say you are the God of my grandfather. You are the God of my father. But you will be my God. You will be my savior. You will be my leader. And you will be my Lord. This woman lost her life. Because although she was near the gospel or near the blessing of God, she never took it in to her heart. This woman lost her life because she was almost saved, but totally lost. The Bible says that the angel brought them out of Sodom. And she traveled part of the way to salvation. She walked with Lot part of the way to their deliverance. The Bible said the angel took them by the hand. And yet she did not go all the way. She lost her life because she was almost saved. A friend, to be almost saved is to be completely lost. The Bible tells us that there are those who have a form of godliness. But they deny the power thereof. Of such, turn away. The Bible warns us clearly about being mistaken in this matter. 
about just going partly the way towards salvation. It's not enough to go just a little ways toward Jesus. It's not enough to just walk a few steps with Him. It is necessary to give Him your whole life and your whole heart. Why is it that so many people are in this state of being almost saved but completely lost? First of all, it's because many people think they have more time. Many people think, I'll serve the Lord, but not now. I'll serve Him when I get older. After I have sought my pleasures. I have, after I've lived life on my own terms, then I'll give my life to Christ just so I don't go to hell when I die. The Bible tells us that this is a mistake. In America, we have what I call the American gospel. The American gospel teaches people that you can come to Christ whenever you want. The American gospel teaches people that you can repent of your sins whenever you desire. You just say, well, I'll pick the day, I'll pick the time, and then I'll come to church and I'll give my life to Christ. That's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible says that no one can come unless the Holy Spirit draws him. And so if you are drawn by the Holy Spirit, you should answer today. Because you have no guarantee that you will ever be called again. Proverbs 29 verse 1 says that a person who is often called and becomes obstinate or hardens their heart will suddenly be cut off and that without warning. Could it be that there are many souls in hell today who are almost saved, but they thought they had more time? They heard the Holy Spirit call, but they said, no, not now, I'll come later. And suddenly they were cut off. Perhaps they were cut off by an untimely death. Perhaps they were cut off because they hardened their heart toward God and received no more invitations. Friend, I don't want that to happen to you. I don't want you to miss your opportunity. I don't want you to be almost saved and completely lost. God forbid it. If today you hear God's voice, if today you hear the Savior calling, say yes to Jesus Say yes to Him quickly. Don't put it off another minute, not another moment. Say yes to Christ. Many are in this state of being almost saved and completely lost because they're in rebellion against the Holy Spirit's calling. The Bible tells us about King Agrippa. The Apostle Paul came to preach to him. And when Paul preached to him and gave him the testimony of God's power to save, Agrippa Agrippa said... Paul, you've almost persuaded me to become a Christian. Here we have it again. Almost saved. And yet completely lost. I don't know if Agrippa ever became a believer. I doubt he did. But it wasn't for lack of evidence of God's power. It wasn't because he didn't have a testimony. It wasn't because somebody didn't preach to him. It was because he hardened his heart. He rebelled in his heart against the calling of the Holy Spirit. In Isaiah chapter 63 verse 10, it says, but they rebelled and they grieved his Holy Spirit. Therefore, he turned himself to become their enemy and he fought against them. What a tragic statement for a heart that hardens itself against God and rebels against the Holy Spirit. The Bible says eventually they become the enemy of God. The third reason that there are people in this state of almost saved but completely lost. Is because of the fear of man. The Bible says that the fear of man is a snare. But those who trust in the Lord will be saved. What is the fear of man? 
the fear of man is worrying more about what other people think than about what God thinks. The fear of man is saying, I'm not going to become a Christian because people will call me a holy roller. Or they'll tell me that I think I'm more righteous than they are. Or they'll tell me that I have become religious. Or that I have found religion. Friend, the fear of man is a snare. It's a trap. The fear of man is the enemy's tool to keep you out of salvation. To keep you eternally lost. To keep you almost saved and completely lost. What difference does it make what others think? It's your soul that's in the balance. It's your heart that needs to be saved. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 10 verse 28. Do not be afraid of those who can kill the body. But are unable to touch the soul. But rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Today is a day for decision. A day to decide is my girlfriend's opinion or my boyfriend's opinion more important than my soul? Is my wife's opinion or my husband's opinion or my parents' opinion, is their opinion more important than my soul? Friend, there is no one whose opinion matters more than God's opinion of you. And today He's calling you to salvation. He's calling you to repentance. If you fear men more than you fear God, you'll lose your soul. The last reason I want to mention as to why there are people who are almost saved but completely lost is because of what Jesus said in John chapter 5 verse 16. He said the love of God is not in them. One of the greatest reasons why people lose their soul, although they've been around church, around faith, around the gospel, and they, they're just close enough to know the difference, but far enough to lose their soul, is because there is no love for God in their heart. The love of God is not in them. They don't have a, a desire to know the Lord. And so the Bible says, seek Him while He may be found. And call upon Him while He is near. Today he's near. He's near to you. The Bible said that he is near to the brokenhearted. The Bible said that he stands ready to forgive. So rather you're, you're broken, if you're heartbroken, he's near to you. If you're lost in sin and rebellion, he's ready to forgive you. This woman lost her soul. She lost her soul for another reason. Because she failed to follow the instructions. She was guided by an angel, and yet she perished. Imagine an angel comes to your house, stays in your house as a guest. They had dinner in her house. No doubt she prepared the dinner. I'm sure she heard the conversation around the table that night when the angel said to Lot and his family, tomorrow this city will be destroyed. And yet she perished. Not because she didn't hear the gospel, but because she did not follow the instructions. And this is what the Bible says about that. It says in Hebrews chapter 2 verse 1 through 2. It says we must pay close attention. Say that out loud. Pay attention. We must pay close attention to what we have heard so that we do not drift away. 
Listen now, for if the angels spoke, if, if the message spoken by angels was binding and every transgression and disobedience received its just punishment, how shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? What does that verse mean? That verse means that people in the Bible, people living in prophetic times, received a message from an angel. And they rejected the message. They refused to obey the instruction and received judgment as a result. But you and I have not received a message from an angel. You and I have received a message from the Lord Himself. We have received a message from the voice of the Holy Spirit. Come on somebody. They they heard the gospel preached by an angel. But you have heard the gospel preached by the Holy Spirit to your heart. And so what does the Bible say? If they received a message from an angel and they lost their soul, how will you escape if you neglect the voice of the Spirit calling to your heart if you will not obey His instructions? Pastor, how should I live in prophetic times? Number one, follow God's instructions. You've got to make up your mind today. I'm going to follow God's instructions. I'm going to listen to his voice. Don't get your, don't get your decision making criteria from Fox News. Don't get it from CNN. Get it from God. You've got to make decisions today based on the leadership and guidance of the Holy Spirit. The Bible said that he will be the voice behind you saying, go to the right, go to the left. That's the way God wants to lead your life today. I know we're living in dangerous times. We're living in perilous times. But we have the greatest help that we could possibly have. We have the Holy Spirit of God walking with us, leading us, guiding us, teaching us. And He will not lead us to failure. He will lead us to victory. Come on, somebody. You're being led by the Holy Spirit. Don't ignore His voice. Many have lost their life because they ignored the voice of the Spirit. But you know, other things happen too. When you don't listen to the Holy Spirit, you lose money. Not obeying God will cost you money. Anybody who's ever made a decision without praying about it and ended up paying a whole lot more than you intended, you know what I'm talking about. Not listening to God will cost you time. You'll lose a lot of time trying to do things your way if you're not listening to the Holy Spirit. But if you listen to him, he'll save your life and he'll save you time and he'll save you money and he'll save your family and he'll save your marriage and he'll bless you in ways you could never imagine. So I want to encourage you as we live in these prophetic times, listen closely to the voice of the spirit. You say, pastor, I can't do that. I'm not a preacher. I haven't been to seminary. I don't know all about, all about theology and doctrine. Friend, the Bible says that Jesus told us this. He said, my sheep hear my voice. You don't have to be a doctor in theology. All you have to be is a part of the flock. If you belong to Christ, he says, you will hear my voice. And the stranger you will not follow. So when you follow the voice of the shepherd, he'll guide you. He'll lead you into truth. He'll lead you into freedom. He'll lead you into faith and into victory. This woman lost her life. Because she failed to walk by faith. 
The Bible says that the just shall live by faith. Everything you and I receive from God, we receive by faith. We receive salvation by faith. We receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit by faith. We receive healing in our bodies by faith. We receive financial provision by faith. We receive the salvation of our lost loved ones by faith. Everything we receive from God must be received by faith. The Bible says that without faith, it is impossible to please God. And that's why this woman perished, because she refused to live by faith. She refused to trust God. She refused to acknowledge that God's way was better than her way. That's a great problem still in our time. One man said, I would rather go to hell than go to heaven trusting in another man. Talking about Jesus there. And as my professor said, he probably got his wish. There is only one way to be saved. And there is only one way to live in victory. And there is only one way to walk with God. And that is to walk by faith. The Bible says we walk by faith and not by sight. We're living in prophetic times. So what must you do? You must follow instructions and you must walk by faith. Sometimes the instruction may not make sense. Sometimes the leading of the Spirit may not make sense. You walk by faith. You obey God. Trust God. Trust God. Come on, say it out loud this morning. I walk by faith. You can't walk by what you see. You walk by watching the, the stock market. It's up one day, down another. You can't live like that. You walk by listening to the medical reports on the, on the state of the coronavirus. You can't live like that either. You've got to walk by faith in God. You've got to walk by faith in the Word of God. It's the only sure way to victory. You've got to walk by faith. That means trusting God's timing. I know we get anxious sometimes. We want God to answer. And we want God to answer quick. The psalmist said that once. In the psalms he said, answer me quickly. And I know how that feels. I've been there. But walking by faith means we trust God's timing. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 6 verse 12 that through faith and patience they inherited what was promised. How? Through faith and patience. Walking by faith means I trust God for the timing. I want Him to do it now. But He says I'll do it tomorrow. I want Him to do it quickly. He says I'll do it on my schedule. And walking by faith says, okay, God, I'm going to be patient. I'm going to trust in you. I'm going to wait for you to lead. I'm going to wait for you to, to tell me what to do, to give me direction. And friend, if you will do that, you will find victory in your life. Trusting God and walking by faith requires trusting God's answer. Sometimes we ask God for something and he says, yes, everybody likes to hear yes. Sometimes he says, no. Nobody likes to hear no. Because we think we know what's best. We think we know what we want. But trusting, walking by faith means we trust God with the answer. When He says yes, we trust Him. When He says no, we trust Him. When He says wait, we trust Him. That's what it means to walk by faith. 
to say, God, you know best and you know better. And if you said no, it's because you know what I need. It's because you know what's best for me. Walking by faith means we trust God's ways. God has a way of doing things. And, you know, we use this phrase, they're set in their ways. All of us have ways. Some of the ladies here in this church who make tortillas, you have a certain way you like to make them. You have a certain way you like to cook a favorite dish. Some of the men here, you have a favorite way you like to go to Corpus. And while you're driving there, your wife says, why'd you come this way? And you say, because it's the way I like. We all have our ways. Guess what? God has his ways too. And if you're going to walk with him, you're going to have to walk his way. The Bible says that the ways of the Lord are pure. The ways of the Lord are right. I know sometimes his way is hard because it's narrow. But the Bible says that broad is the way that leads to destruction. And many there be that find it. And small is the way and narrow is the gate that leads to light. And few there be that find it. That broad way has many on it. That narrow way has a few on it. It seems harder. Sometimes it seems uphill. Sometimes it seems so narrow that nothing else fits but you and God. But you have to trust His way because you're walking by faith. And because He's good and because He's love and because He's mercy, He will never take you down a way that does not bring Him glory and will not be for your good. The Bible says that Israel saw God's power, but Moses knew God's ways. Do you realize that there's a level of Christianity, there's a level of faith where all, all you ever think about is getting stuff from God. I just want to see His power. I just want Him to perform miracles. I just want Him to do big things in my life. And that's good. He's promised to do that. But there's a deeper level than that. And Moses found that level because Israel, all they saw was God's power. But Moses got to know God personally. He got to know God's ways. And that's my heart's desire for you and for me, King's way, that you and I will know the ways of the Lord. To walk in them. And if you and I will walk in them by faith, we'll see victory. Imagine what could have happened to Lot's wife if she would have just believed God. If she would have just said, okay, I don't like this path. I don't like this plan, but I'm going to trust you. But she lost her life. And that brings us to the final reason why she lost her life. That was because she was trying to save it. Jesus said, remember Lot's wife. For he who strives to save his own life will lose it. But he who loses his life for my sake will find it. He's letting us know that one of the reasons why she perished was because she looked back. She was trying to preserve her own life. I don't know what she looked back at. Maybe she looked back at her house. Oh, my dream house. I worked so hard for it. I have so many memories there. And by trying to preserve what she loved, she lost what was more important. 
What was more essential? What was more value? Maybe she looked back to see her friends. What are they thinking? What are they doing? She was trying to preserve herself. Just like that person that is called by God. And they say, yes, Lord, I'll serve you. But later, after I made some money, after I have some money in, a, in, in the stock market, after I've accomplished a few things uh, with my finances, then I'll go and preach the gospel. I spoke to one man who was there at a church in need of a pastor. And he said, I would love to pastor this church as long as someone paid up all my bills. There are many in the, in the world like that. They have a call from God. They have a ministry. They have a purpose. They, there's an urgency in their heart to serve the Lord, but they're trying to do it their way. Get their, their stuff secured first. Then I'll serve God. And Jesus said, if you put yourself first, you will lose everything. The only way to save your life, to save what you love, is to put God first. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and its righteousness and all of these other things will be added unto you. There are some people that are building a house. And while they're building the house, they stop coming to the church. Because they need Sunday morning to build the house. You think God can bless that house? You think that's going to become a blessing to them? No, it's going to become a curse. It's going to become a weight to their soul. There are others who need, who, who, who need to be in the house of God, but they choose to take time at work. They choose to go and, and make sure they have an extra, a, a little bit of overtime because they need more money. You think that money can bless you? You think that money can get you out of trouble? Listen, church, we're living in prophetic days. We've got to be very clear about this. God first. God first. I know we all need a little extra money. I know we all have some projects that need our time. I know we all have a garden that needs watering. I know we all have little league games and we all have basketball games. We all have something to do. But there is nothing in your life more important than God. And when God is first, He will bless every other area of your life. Come on, I'm speaking to you from experience. I know what it's like to put God first and watch God put you first. When you say yes to Him, He will not hesitate in saying yes to you. I've seen the blessing of God. When I started out in full-time ministry, I graduated from college and one of my professors said, he said, Isaac, are you going to law school? I said, no, I'm going to preach. And he said this, he said, the best ones always waste it. And on the one hand, he was complimenting me. He was telling me I was one of the best ones. On the other hand, he was telling me I was wasting my life. Another occasion, one of my colleagues in college invited me to go to some event they were having there in the, in the community. I said, no, I can't go there. I don't live that lifestyle. I don't participate in that kind of thing. He said, come on, Isaac, live a little. And that's often the, the way of thinking of the world, that if you serve God, you're wasting your life, and if you serve God, you're not living. But I've got good news for you. You don't start living until you serve God. 
And your life's not worth for much until you serve God. Come on, somebody. If you lose your life for His sake, you will find it. And I've watched God take my life and make it for His glory. And I've watched Him bless me. I've been on every continent except Antarctica preaching the gospel. I've stood in the Great Wall of China. I've seen the pyramids. I've entered into the empty tomb of Jesus. I have seen some of the greatest houses of parliament. I have, I have walked the, the halls of the United States Capitol. I have been in the presence of ambassadors and presidents and presidents. Why? Because I decided I'm going to put God first. And when you put God first, God will bless your life. This woman lost her life trying to preserve it. The Bible talks to us about a man in Matthew chapter 13, verse 44. It says that he was in the field and he found a treasure. And he realized the value of the treasure, so he went and he sold everything he had to get enough money to buy that field. It says another man, a merchant, was out looking for merchandise and he found a pearl. So expensive. And he went home and he sold everything he had to buy the pearl. And Jesus said, that's what the kingdom of God is like. You and I have found the treasure in the field. You and I have found the pearl of great price. And you and I have said to him, God above all, you first. Friend, when you find Jesus like that, when you find that Jesus is the treasure that you're looking for, you realize everything else is just a bonus. If I can have Jesus. Someone wrote a song a long time ago, said, I'd rather have Jesus than silver or gold. I'd rather have Jesus than riches untold. I'd rather be His. Friend, that's my heart, and I pray that's your heart this morning, to say I would rather have, have Jesus than all this world can offer. Because if I have Jesus, I have the treasure. If I have Jesus, I have the pearl of great price. If I have Jesus, I have life. The day came when all of the multitudes stopped following Jesus. His message became too hard to handle. And he looked at his disciples and he said, are you going to leave me too? And Peter said, Lord, where can we go? Only you have the words of life. Come on, is there anybody like that this morning that said, God, I have nowhere else to go. You are everything to me. We've got to live in this prophetic time. By saying, give me Jesus. He's more valuable to me than anything. Where you are, would you just bow your head? I want to make the first invitation to you, friend. You're listening to me, but Jesus is not the Lord of your heart. Maybe you attend this church regularly. Maybe you watch online all the time. 
Maybe your parents are Christians. Maybe you've, you've been in Sunday school. None of that can save you. you. You have to know Jesus for yourself. And the good news is that this is not hard. It's not complicated. God has made it so simple. He says that if you will believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, you can be saved. If you'll confess that with your, with your mouth and believe it in your heart, something will happen inside of you because the Holy Spirit will come into you and begin to transform you and give you a new birth. And so I want to invite you to say yes to Christ this morning. If you would say, Pastor Isaac, I want to know Jesus as my Savior. I want to lead you in this prayer. Just pray with me. And if your heart's in it, God's going to hear you this morning. Just say, Lord Jesus, I confess that I have sinned against you. I deserve judgment. But this morning I fall upon your mercy. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. And to help me to walk with you. I receive your forgiveness. And I ask you to come into my heart and be my Lord and my God. If you've made that prayer this morning, I believe the Holy Spirit has come into your heart and has begun to transform it and renew you. And he's made you a child of God right that moment by faith. And I want you to contact Kingsway Church and let us know that you've made that decision so that we can pray with you. So that we can help you with some materials and get a Bible into your hand and give you some support as you walk in this walk of faith. Now to the body of Christ, with your head bowed, I want you just to make a decision this morning and say, God, I'm going to walk by faith. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust your timing. I'm going to trust your answer. I'm going to trust your way. And just push everything you're worried about and everything you're dreaming of, just push it across the table and trust Him with it. Just give it to Him. He knows best. And make up a decision in your mind. I'm going to follow your instructions. God, I'm going to follow your instructions. I'm going to do what you tell me to do. Because your way is better. Your way is safe. Your way leads to life. Hallelujah.